Hello and welcome to the 108 podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Raquel. And we are the Type 1 Together Girls. We are stripping down life with type 1 diabetes from two people who live different versions of it every single day. Please remember Type 1 Together does not give medical advice. We are only sharing from personal experience. Hi, Amanda. I missed you. (laughs) Hey, Raquel. I miss you too. So nice having you in San Diego and come in my house, even if it was just a couple hours of working together. Yeah, I was there this last week and we both looked at each other and we were working and we were like, wait, how did we just get so much done in like so much done hour and a half just being in person? It's so nice. Yeah, but I've done a podcast in forever, so I'm excited to be back on the mic, as they say. As they say. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, any updates for the audience? Yeah, let's see. So I did see a new endocrinologist last week, which was stressful and nerve-wracking, which is kind of silly because I feel pretty confident in my management, but it's always just that feeling of am I gonna be judged by this person? Are they gonna like say things to me that I'm gonna have to defend or like I know deep down aren't the correct changes I want to make or things like that. Um, but I think it really just stems from being diagnosed at such a young age and having such a fear of going to the endo and just hospitals and doctors in general. So it's hard to get that out of my head. But basically, I had to see a new endo because I'm on like California state insurance because having your own business means it's hard to get insurance basically. Um, and that's definitely been one of the most challenging things. And so I was assigned this endocrinologist. I had no choice on who I was seeing and turned out a lot better than I thought. Like he was super nice. Um, he didn't make any changes. He was very much just like, okay, yeah, your graph looks amazing. Like you don't need to do anything, which was a relief. But at the same time, he kind of brushed me off a little bit because it was kind of like, oh, you're doing fine. Like, let's just get you out the door. Like I could tell he just wanted me to leave. (laughs) Um, And I had some different questions for him that weren't being answered like very thoughtfully. Um, But he did say like, oh, you're on Novolog. That's great. But you should really try LumGev, which if you all aren't familiar, it's basically another fast acting insulin, like extra fast. So Fiosp and LumGev are two that they say you don't really need to pre-dose with. And a lot of you know, I've been on Fiosp for a while, like I kind of switch between Fiosp and Novolog, but Fiosp is not approved for the tandem pump and LumGev is, I think. So I don't know. I've heard a lot of mixed things about LumGev. Some people said that it causes a lot of weight gain. Some people say it burns a lot. That's what I'm most nervous about. Um, I know Lantus sometimes burns too for people that are on MDI, but I haven't experienced that in a while. So I got a sample of it. And we'll see what I think. And hopefully if I don't like it, he respects that. And, you know, yeah. I'm doing fine doing Novolog right now. And um, my body kind of got used to Fiosp and it wasn't working as fast as it once was. And so I don't know if that would happen with LumGev as well. But I'm trying to think of other Have you things. tried LumGev yet? Not Have you? No. You haven't put it in the – I mean, the thing you can think about too is like if it burns – because mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to do that either. If it burns, I feel like there's this this like mental block that a lot of people with type 1 diabetes have where it's like, this is liquid gold. And yes, it is liquid gold. And it is so important. And it is so life-saving. But it's also like there's an option to use an insulin that doesn't burn. So right. 
if you have this like um, sample of it and it does burn, then you're losing what's in the cartridge and the tubing, but then you can, you know, donate the rest of the sample to someone who does need it or whatever, and then just move on. But don't force yourself to, to deal with a burning sensation for an entire filled cartridge. Yes. No, I totally agree. Um, and I, I really like the fact that he like brought up another type of insulin because I feel like a lot of endos don't like, like for a long time growing up, I was just on the same insulin and like nothing ever changed, but there are a lot of different options and that's something I think people should explore, you know, but like you said, if it doesn't work for you, just stick to what you're doing and, um, we'll see. I will definitely give you all an update when it happens, but I will say like I, so he pulled up my 90 day range and I don't know what my A1C was, but I was 90% in range for three months, which I don't think I've ever seen that number before. And like, I hesitate to share that on here, but I'm like, whoa, I actually am really proud of myself. And I think hopefully it's encouraging for all of you to know, like, maybe it'll take you 22 years also, but probably not because you have all this amazing technology, but like, you know, you can get to that point or your child can get to that point when they're older, right? I think it is easier as an adult in a lot of ways. So I don't know. It's just like, it's kind of a relief. (laughs) It's like, wow, maybe diabetes isn't like totally ruling my life because I feel like I achieved that number with balance in terms of diabetes. Like I haven't been restricting. I haven't been over-exercising, like all the stuff that I used to try so hard and I was putting in so much effort, but I actually am not putting in so much effort right now. It's just like, it's kind of settled down. Like I kind of feel like I'm just riding the wave, which is the goal. Yeah, it is the goal. I think the other thing is like, just, you know, this is, this idea is kind of in the same thread of what you were just saying. I just posted today, A Day in the Life and it was all about how I chose a very reactive way of dealing with my daughter's sugars for one meal for like a two hour period of the day. And that's because that is what my mental health needed in that very moment. Yeah. And so I think there are other times where my mental health needs a lot more control, which is where counting every carb comes in and pre-bolusing comes in and really having a lot of conversations with her about the importance of like finishing food and whatever, where that all comes in. But in that moment, I was tired. My body needed rest. My brain needed rest. And so I prioritized just like my mental health and especially my daughter's mental health, like yes to hot chocolate yes to a kid dinner because I don't have it in me to cook like a full-on fancy, you know, three-course meal kind of dinner. And we're just going to sit on the couch. And as you rise, I'll give you more and more insulin because that's the beauty of being on pump therapy. And if you start to fall and it's getting too low, I know that you love having a few raisins or having like a three strawberries right before bed. So that's no sweat off your back, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's very, um, gosh, this weird thing, the thumbs up again, you guys, it happened on the last one where if you put like your thumbs up on FaceTime or something, um, so it's so weird anyway. So yes, that's, that was my thought. <laughs> yeah. 
when you were saying that, it just made me think about like you have to find the balance as a parent and as like for your child. That's the goal, right? Which is really difficult. And I have been working with someone on creating this presentation for something completely separate lately. And I've been thinking a lot about like the idea of group projects and how in school, like how annoying those were sometimes, but how it was nice because you get to share the responsibility. But at the same time, there's so many variables and factors. And that's what you're doing as a parent. Like you're kind of doing a group project all the time with diabetes. (laughs) And it's like nice for your kid in the sense that they don't have to at that age, maybe think about actually counting the carbs and doing all that. So like not all of the pressures on them, but then there's like all these other variables, variables and inputs that you're having to deal with between not just you and your child, but your partner and maybe even other people, teachers, school, like that was a really random thought, but I'm just like, dang, that's hard. (laughs) It is hard. It is hard. That is, I've never thought of it like that, but group projects used to drain me because yeah, you have to like work so much with other people and not to mention that like communication is an art form, you know, like two humans can only communicate so much to get as close to the actual same idea as possible, but you can never truly be in someone's own, uh, like in someone's head. And so you will never truly be a thousand percent certain about what they're thinking, you know, and what they mean and the context and all this stuff. Wow. That's a, that's a super tangent there, but yeah, it's a great point when you're talking about like more than one caregiver contributing to blood sugar management. It's just a lot. You have to figure out the balance that works for every single person involved. And sometimes that isn't exactly what you want because like my issue sometimes in group projects is like if people aren't contributing or it's just like, well, this is how I want things done. Like it'd just be easier to do it myself, which is why I think diabetes is easier for me to handle when it's just me right now. It's harder on me. Like it's a lot more pressure and work, but it's like I'm ultimately the one who decides everything and I can do things on my own terms. But you don't get that luxury or difficulty, like whichever way you look at it. Um, you have to consider every other person's mental health and time and just like capacity for all this stuff. It's super interesting. That's a really good point. I want to like stay there for a second and just kind of like soak in it for any parent who has that more kind of type A-ish personality where you thrive and you do best with 100% control. If you find yourself doing that and acting like that, but also thinking to yourself like, ooh, I know this is probably not the best thing for my kid, but I can't help myself. It's just mm-hmm. I'm not here to like shame or scold or anything. Just putting it out there as a thought of like just because it is you who wants complete and utter control doesn't mean that like you should take up complete and utter control because it's someone else's life yeah so um, whoa didn't think we were gonna go there but it just happened <laughs> it's, so <laughs> it's so true i just yeah i want to give credit to all of you it's it has to be exhausting for sure and it's a lot yeah. yeah okay what about you amanda do you have any updates um, Hattie's eating a little bit better. There were actually like three days 
last week where I said, okay, what do you want for a snack? And she goes, "Mm, how about fruit and veggies? And I could tell she was doing that and looking at me like, are you proud of me? And I (laughs) was like, great. And put like, didn't make a big deal out of it. Didn't say like, this is what you should be doing. Yes. Like, nope. Just very neutral. Cool. I'll go get you a fruit and veggie plate. (laughs) You know? Yay. So it's been helpful. And because of that, we have sugars that just behave more closely to what the textbooks tell you they should be doing if you do all the right things. Um, You know, it's not perfect, but it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, What else is new? I don't know. We have, oh gosh, we switched our insurance. This is like a whole, I don't know enough about insurance, but we should maybe have an episode about it at some point in time. But we were on a PPO last year and the year before that. And that was lucky, I guess, because when Hattie was diagnosed, like, you know, you're just, there's so many moving pieces and there were so many like, we need to see this person. We might need to see that person. Like all these like potential specialists, and so we had access to all those people through the PPO. But it was so expensive, and we were kind of like looking at our um, finances because we're hoping to buy a house this year. And one of the places we felt like we could save money is by switching over to an HMO, and. It's like still within United Healthcare, but we're switching from the PBO to an HMO. And now, like, we already had this regular three month, uh, you know, every three month uh, checkup with her endocrinologist coming up, but she's no longer covered under the HMO. So now we have to go through our pediatrician who has like nothing to do with the children's hospital over here. She's in a whole different healthcare group. Had to go through her. She has to put in a referral. We're waiting on that referral. You know, it's just like, why is the American healthcare system the way it is? Yes. (laughs) And we're only doing this now because things are so settled and because I no longer rely 100% on the guidance of our endocrinologists and our CDCES for, you know, carb ratio changes and everything. Um, So basically I told her pediatrician, I, you know, it would be great if the referral to our current endo stays the same, just so we have continuity of care. But if not, whatever, I just need someone to write an order for the pump and the Dexcom and the insulin, and then we'll be on our way. Yes. Uh, So it's kind of, it's just weird. It's weird being in this. Yeah, it's a mess. It's weird being in this, like, this place where I'm making call after call after call yeah, just to ensure that my child who has a chronic illness that she did nothing yeah. to earn it, it just happened to her and it's deadly in a matter of 48 hours. Yeah, It's like the amount of hoops we have to jump through just yeah. to make sure that we get seen so the orders are written. It's freaking crazy. It's horrible. And I don't think I even told you this. Maybe I did, but I've been dealing with an insurance thing where apparently, so, you know, when you turn 26, you get off your parents' insurance. And I had been on my dad's. And then, like, a little over a year ago, I turned 26. So then I thought I got off. 
Then I found out a couple of weeks ago, or I guess it was in like December of 2023, so a month ago, that I had been on an active insurance plan under my dad the entire 2023, even though I was already 26. It had been huh. active. And there was like something weird with because of like when the insurance plan had started, like they, I guess, kept me on for my 26th year. Oh, but like, I yeah. So the whole year I'm like getting everything covered from California insurance and like it's working out. And then all of a sudden I'm getting all these bills from Byram who I get all of my tandem supplies from. And I have like $180 worth of bills due. And that was only for two months of supply, which is a problem in itself. And um, whatever, I'm not going to bore everyone with the details, but basically I could not get it covered. I like spent hours the last couple of weeks on the phone with them and they're like, oh, well, we kept billing your insurance and like they weren't covering it, blah, blah, blah. You have two insurances active. And I was like, what are you talking about? Mind you, they kept covering stuff throughout the rest of the year. These bills were from June and July. It makes no sense. Like some of them were getting covered, some of them weren't. And they wouldn't let me order more supplies till I paid that bill. And I'm like, I don't need to pay this $180. This should be covered. And so whatever. Now I realize I could have seen my old endo for an entire extra year than I did, which is really frustrating, but I didn't know that I still had that insurance. And so now I'm off of it because it's for sure like I'm – way past the time that I'm allowed to be on it. And I was on the call with them again for another like, you know, 45 minutes on hold, 45 minutes with the person. And then all of a sudden the bill's just gone. And I'm like, the fact that that's Great. how it works though, is so frustrating. Like I'm happy, but I'm also like a second ago, I thought I was going to have to pay this money, which $180 is not a big deal. But if I would have had to pay for the whole year, it would have been well yes. over a thousand. Yes, thousands. So, yeah. So stupid. It makes me angry. But anyways, <laughs> I don't know that everyone feels that way about diabetes insurance. That and yeah. taxes, two least favorite things in the world. <laughs> uh-huh. That's how Especially- you know that you're grown up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm glad that we both feel, I think, okay with kind of whatever endo we get like there comes a point where it's like okay we just need someone to write the prescriptions yes we would love to have someone incredible that is helpful in a lot of different ways but ultimately we just need to make sure we have the supplies to stay alive and do things ourselves. and I did pull people on my Instagram because I realized they never ask about your mental health or anything like I don't know if yours does but everyone was pretty (laughs) saying nope they never ask you a single thing and there's been times in my life where I've had really tight control, but my mental health has been not great. And that like I had to, I was over um, analyzing everything, like hyper-focusing on diabetes all the time, which is not healthy. But then you go to the endo and they're like, you're doing great. And that yeah. is not good. Like they need to look at every aspect of your I life. Agree. So I thought that was interesting. <laughs> I, it's funny as you're like talking about this and you're talking about your endo basically being like, your new one being like, yeah, you're fine and trying to hustle you out. I had almost the opposite experience where it was one of our lowest A1Cs we'd had. Our time and range was the highest it had ever been. And she chose to harp on lows that were happening after lunch, like five days out of the last two weeks. And it wasn't our endo, it was the NP that we were seeing. And I was like, yes, I'm literally telling you, like I've already told you, that those lows happened because they dosed her the full amount at school and she didn't finish her lunches those days. And the low happened when we were driving from preschool to home when I'm in the middle of like 
getting my two and my four-year-old to stop fighting and please don't throw shit and let me hand you a juice box and oh shoot, you dropped it and it's open. Now there's juice spilling it. Like life happens and you're not listening to me. And she was just relentless about changing the carb ratio to avoid those lows. And mind you, the lows were like maybe the lowest was like 58, which isn't great. I know kids shouldn't be having a ton of lows, but it's not like she was down in the 30s and 40s like for an hour for five days out of the last two weeks. That I agree would be an issue. And so I changed carb ratios and guess who freaking spiked after every single lunch for the next week and a half. And I was like, oh my gosh, next time just please order my... (laughs) Omnipod fives and insulin and send me on my way. That's it. I know. That's why I'm like, oh, can you just do a virtual appointment? Because we can get that done. But no, they should listen to you. And I feel like some endos, if they're not trying to rush you, they're trying to find something to tell you about. It's like, oh, they need something, right? And especially with kids, I think like they would always try to change at least one basal rate or whatever. Maybe it was helpful. Maybe it wasn't. But I don't know. But yeah, that low thing I could go on forever. That's so annoying. So funny. Um, Okay. Well, do you want to get into today's topic? Yeah. Why don't you – yeah, we got this question on Instagram, but I think you're probably better to start this one off. (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) So – a mom DM'd us on Instagram was like, hey, I have a question or like a podcast topic idea. And basically it is surrounding the idea of boundaries with technology, but mostly the phones that a lot of our kids have to have for Dexcom and or pump therapy. And she was basically saying that like there's nothing on her phone other than the Dexcom app. He can't like access anything. All the parental controls are on, but he does have, he's five, I think she said, but he does have access to the password, it seems. Um, And he will like go in and just kind of like constantly swipe. Like he's just curious. And so she was asking what, like do other parents have this issue what boundaries are normal and healthy whatever and so I'm going to preface all this by saying I am not a therapist I am not an expert on any of this stuff I am a pretty big component component lol a pretty big proponent of do what works for you and your family within reason yeah and I think like letting kids explore and, you know, letting them live life a bit is necessary. Um, I'm not a big like hover or like quote unquote helicopter mom, but we also have a duty to protect our children. So with this, like my very first thought when she sent this DM was, okay, maybe just no password. Like if it's, if in your family, your, your five-year-old going into his phone at all, regardless of what he can access, causes you stress and feels like he's crossing a boundary and he doesn't need that much technology or screen time or whatever, then my opinion would be to no longer give access to the password. Um, 
I think, and, you know, reevaluate at every six months and or one year or whatever, because so much changes so quickly with these little kids. But I will say that Hattie does not have, um, she's four and a half. She does not have access to the password and we did not put her face like to, you know, unlock the face ID. So she can't get into her phone unless it's already opened. What she does know how to do is when she picks it up and the lock screen is up, she knows how to press the camera on the bottom right side. And she <laughs> she loves photos. <laughs> she, she loves photos and she loves videos. She knows what I do for work. She watches me film videos a lot. So it is a creative outlet for her. If it got to a point where it felt inappropriate or it was no longer um, super innocent and sweet, then I would put more boundaries around that, have a conversation that didn't attack her in, or in any way and didn't you know, make her feel embarrassed or anything like that. But I would have a conversation with her about it. But at the end of the day, she's four and a half. We live in a day and age of technology. I personally am not an anti-technology, anti-screen time kind of parent. Um, we all do things differently, so no shame to anyone who is, you know, very little to no screen time. Um, but for the most part, it's just kind of adorable to see what she finds worthy of taking pictures and it's really cute to find little videos that say, welcome to Hattie's kid video. I'm going to teach you about diabetes. Okay, class. And she's like talking to her stuffed animals. I have diabetes. This is, you know, whatever. Or welcome to my video. Let's do, I don't know, whatever. She's so funny and she's so cute. So we let that happen. Um, I will say if she gets older we're going to have all the parental controls available on like YouTube and um, the internet and stuff while simultaneously creating an environment that feels safe to ask us any questions so that she doesn't feel shamed coming to us asking hard questions and she doesn't like seek only the internet in like the middle of the night when no one's watching to search for, you know, the tough stuff in life. So that's that. What do you have to say about boundaries and phones and stuff? When did you get a phone? I was in fourth grade and I was definitely like the first in my grade to get it, but there was no Dexcom. So obviously things are so different. I thought that was so early before, but it was a little flip phone. I only had a certain number of texts per month. Back then you could only get like certain plans, you know? Yeah. And I was only allowed to text like my mom, my dad, maybe like one friend with certain permission on certain days, but it was very limited and it was specifically for diabetes so that I could talk to my family from school. Um, but it's going to be changing a lot, I think, for all the families because a lot of pumps are now coming out with the ability to bolus from your phone. So there's two sides of this. I've babysat for so many families now. 
pretty much all the kids have phones because of Dexcom. It's really helpful when the kids know the password because half the time the parents forget to tell it to me, which is the parents' fault. <laughs> like the kids know how to get in and like I can figure it out. Um, but, you know, that can easily be solved as long as you tell the people watching them. And then the dosing from the phone, it's like maybe young kids shouldn't have access to that because they could just be playing around, pressing things. And that could be pretty bad. It does make you show your face, like for the tandem one right now, like you have to do a face ID in order to deliver a bolus. And your pump is required to have a passcode, or sorry, your phone is required to have a passcode so that like a random stranger couldn't come in and just dose you. Which is interesting because I actually never had a passcode on my phone before. <laughs> that was one oh, of those. really? So annoying to like always put it in. But um, yeah, so with Omnipod coming out with that, I think soon and then like even with looping, getting more approved and stuff like that, like kids might need to have their phone and need to have access to dose when they're at a certain age to give that bullet. Because like the Moby pump coming out through tandem there's not even a screen on it so the only option is to use the phone i'm pretty sure there's not like another receiver you can use but yeah in terms of like other restrictions i don't know i really i feel like i grew up in kind of a cool time where it was like when i was really a kid there wasn't that technology available like iphones didn't come out until i was probably at least 12 10 11 i don't know like more an age where it's like more appropriate to maybe play with one but i didn't have one until i was like much 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 older but i remember thinking it was so fun to play with like a touchscreen phone yeah Um, so i don't yeah i don't have like a ton to share on like what i wasn't allowed to do but i guess once i got my own laptop and stuff i was in probably late middle school and that was like mostly for schoolwork but i think i had like some limitations on what I was allowed to do yeah it's it's interesting because you're you're just a step behind me with that stuff so our like the millennial generation that's raising kids right now I feel like we're all kind of like stuck because iPhone didn't come out till I was a senior in high school I think and then I didn't have one until I was a junior in college and I didn't have a laptop until my freshman year of college. And so like the the internet in the phone thing, like I didn't have access to that until I was 21. Yeah. So I spent my entire childhood and even teenage years without a computer in my pocket, you know. Um and now I'm raising this generation with a computer everywhere they go on their wrist in their pocket in their car like and i it's unavoidable and so like i live in kind of a realistic mindset of it it's unavoidable and i'd rather teach her how to be safe and when to recognize that something doesn't feel right and to never be like scared or shamed coming to me with like, hey, I saw this thing and I feel really weird about it. Um, and then we could just have a conversation about where'd you see it? How'd you see it? Okay, like let's let's figure out how to avoid seeing that stuff further, whatever. Um, but I think there are just so many options for parental controls these days. And I have yet to dive in because she has yet to figure out her password. 
And she only like has access to her phone if we are giving it to her. So like it is kind of nice, I will say, that she has a phone because we have a lot of doctor's appointments. We have a lot of random stuff that like, you know, yes, I could bring a book. Yes, I could bring a coloring book. But the reality of the world we live in is like there's TVs that play and whatever. And so it is easy to just put on YouTube or pull up the Disney Channel app or whatever. And then she can watch her favorite show while she's getting her labs drawn for the first time. Like, you know, that is so much better than just holding a stuffy and staring at a needle going into your arm when you're four. Like, (laughs) yeah. Wait, so at school, does she have it, like have her phone on her? Is it just like in the classroom? She has it on her. So for her preschool classroom, there's anywhere from like 12 to 20 kids, depending on the day, because not everyone goes every day. And she wears her Dexcom phone in the spy belt, which is a mini stretchy fanny pack. She wears that around her waist. And then her teacher holds her Omnipod 5 um, PDM. And um, her teacher has access to the follow app and stuff, but she just prefers to check Hattie Sugar on the the Omnipod 5 controller. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what she does. But Hattie never, like, tries to take her phone out. That's she only cute. ever, like, wants her phone or asks for her phone if she wants to take a picture of something. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, but she's still little. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. The other thing I will say, though, is, like, parents you'll appreciate this she the other day is so like okay when she has too much screen time she definitely reaches a point of no return and like her behavior is horrible and we have to take like we have to like do a purge you know so it's like three days no screen time your brain needs a reset and so she knows like there will be certain things I say or my tone changes where it's like, hey, you can't talk to me like that or uh-uh, that screaming is not okay. Like, And so when that happens, she will take her phone, open the camera and video whatever show she's watching <laughs> <laughs> so that she can go back to her photos and videos and watch TV that way. So smart. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like some people might hear that and be like oh my gosh you know that's terrible you need to really lock it down or whatever and I honestly watch that and I'm just like what a brilliant human being passive yeah she's so funny that's so so funny she's so funny so yeah I don't know that wasn't like as in-depth of a conversation about it as I thought it was going to be. I'm sure there will be a lot more I have to say the older they get, but I just think that like it's so kid-dependent and it's so like your family-dependent. It's what you're comfortable with. And it's whatever, whatever boundaries the kids push that become unsafe or unhealthy. Natural boundary pushing is a normal way for kids who are developing, especially kids with type one who are so restricted in other ways of life. So I think it's just finding the balance and recognizing what's normal and healthy and what what's concerning. 
Yeah. Um, we can also maybe pull people on Instagram or do like a question box for people to share more of how they deal with it. Cause there might be some creative ways that we're not thinking of. And I recently found out you can dose from your Apple watch, I believe for tandem. I haven't tried it yet, oh. but I wonder as more of these things come out, like if there's a situation where your child really shouldn't have their phone out in class or whatever, maybe they have an Apple watch so their phone's in their room, but like their watch has restrictions. They're not texting, but you can't do as much, right? You can't like scroll Instagram and watch videos, but then you could just like be able to dose and see Dexcom as long as the kid's old enough to be doing that themselves. That could be a helpful way to go about it eventually. One other thing I can think of is if you have an outlet or even if you don't, like if you're worried about closing your kid's bedroom door at night and then they're like grabbing their phone and whatever messing with it, you can just say like the phone stays outside of your room and literally leave it on the floor in the hallway outside of the room. And if you're worried about charging it, you know, charge it during bath time or during bedtime stories or whatever, like find other times of the day to charge it. And then, you know, yeah, yeah <laughs> that works really for us a lot. A couple of families I have babysat for, especially ones on tandem, that's really nice because then if the child's asleep, I can also go and dose them from their phone without going in their room. Yes. And also, if you're worried about charging, my favorite, favorite, favorite uh, portable charger that lasts literally forever, it feels like you can get a million charges out of this one thing, is linked in our Amazon storefront now. And I love using it also for my tandem pump because then I can be laying in bed and just like have it plugged in. I don't have to worry about being next to a wall and just yeah. sitting there while it charges. Um, Speaking of, we now have an Amazon storefront because we are getting so many requests for products. We just put it all in one place. So it'll always be in the show notes if anyone wants to check out Amanda's amazing recommendations and some products that I love too. Awesome. Yeah. I love that Amazon storefront. I'm so glad we made it. We can keep adding to it as people give us other suggestions of things that they like using. Yes. All right. I feel like we've covered the <laughs> phones and boundaries but we'll definitely come back and we'll we'll circle back to this topic for sure um and i can guarantee i will have more to say as the years go on <laughs> yeah yeah it's hard for me to speak to it without having kids it's got to be so difficult to figure out but yeah. um we have not shared on the podcast our most recent announcement yet yes <laughs> We started a group coaching program and we're calling it Better Together Group Coaching, which is very fitting. Do you want to explain a little bit about it, Raquel? Sure. Yeah. So I feel like we've gotten requests for years now just to have some sort of group where parents can meet in a more like small group intimate setting with Amanda and myself and just really get into the like nitty gritty details of type one. And so we've structured this program where we're going to be covering so many different topics that are applicable, whether or not you're newly diagnosed or many years into it. And half of each call is going to be like the first half will be module material based on whatever we're talking about that week. And then the second half is really diving into real time problem solving. So making sure that everyone's getting a chance to share what's going on. And it's not medical advice, but we can share a lot from experience. And I also think that people will be sharing a lot that will help each other 
at least that happens whenever I've run the grandparent group coaching programs. So I am so excited. We have less than half the spots left. We're keeping it really small because we want it to be like a safe, small space for people to share. Yeah. I will say if you are struggling with like applying the concepts that your endo is teaching you, that the textbooks are saying that, you know, there's just, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of fluff. There's a lot of medical jargon. There's a lot of like, give insulin 15 minutes before your child eats. Make sure they eat a well-balanced meal. Congratulations. You did type one diabetes. It's like, what the fuck? That's not how any of it goes. And I personally learned how to gain the kind of control I have of my four-year-old's blood sugars by watching other people and then applying their lived experience to my own. So I didn't need to see my exact scenario play out in someone else's life. I needed someone else's real life experience, the problem solving, the work around, the what they did differently this time, what will work next time, things of that nature. And then I could apply it to my own situation. And that's only done by intimate group conversation and problem solving. So that's that's better together. And it's eight weeks. Um, you'll have printable resources to help guide you. I'm going to share the um, the log that I use to fine tune our carb ratios, which dropped her A1C from an 8.5 to a 7 while on MDI. Um, and yeah, there's a lot. Have access to our 2ND oh, diagnosis yes. simple course. And so uh, that is our video course that is completely self-paced. You can go back to it, watch it as many times as you want, or just go to specific chapters if there's a question that you have. And the cool thing about this is you get your own login. So if you want to share it with family members, grandparents, friends, teachers, like anyone who wants to learn the basics and beyond of type one, you now have this course forever to share. Yeah, exactly. So we'll put the link to sign up in uh, the show notes and it's always going to be available on our website and um, accessible through our Instagram profile, the link in our profile. Yes, it does start on February 8th. So we're going to run these multiple times, but we'll have enrollment open up until a couple of days before we start. Um, and then if you want to join a future time, we'll we'll have some sort of wait list. And there are payment plans available. We want to work with you. We're not trying to exclude anyone at all. So please reach out if there's anything we can do to make it work better for you. Yeah. All right. Want to do a roll call? Yeah. I'm 109. Oh, I'm so close to 108. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hattie is 63, but we're at five minutes since our last reading. So let's see. Okay. 76. Her teacher's so good. I guarantee her teacher saw her drop to what is that one 75 and gave her juice and then the next two readings are you know they're delayed 10 15 minutes to what's actually happening and now she's back up i freaking love her teacher we're gonna have her on the podcast at some point just so you know yeah so stay tuned for that awesome all right all right next week bye